Hi, I'm Max, and this is the Power Source Podcast, a place where I talk about old school games from a new school perspective. Love is in the air, folks. February 14th is right around the corner, literally tomorrow, uh, for me at least, and probably for you, listener, when you listen to this. And uh, we're going to talk about a genre of games, and one game in particular, all about love. Dating simulators, you may have heard them, or uh, heard of them. They are essentially visual novels, or you know, very simple visual stories, where you play as a main character, and you make choices in order to make the different characters fall in love with you. There's a lot of variety within the genre. There's dating simulators with an all-male, romanceable ca- characters, and uh, dating sims more traditionally with all-female romanceable characters, and some with uh, kind of co-ed mixed uh, dating sims have, I believe, their origins in Japan and usually have a fairly, like, anime art style. Um, and so now that you know essentially how they work, I want to go into my favorite. I, It's not a big competition. I've played very few of them, but this game really affected me. I loved it when it came out because I thought it was very interesting. You might have heard of it. The 2020, not the 2020, 2017 hit game. Doki Doki Literature Club. It is a psychological horror and a dating sim. Now, I know that may sound strange if you've never heard of it, and considering the name is Doki Doki, which in Japanese is the sound of a beating heart literature club, it it sounds a little bit ridiculous how it could be a psychological horror, but don't click away, let me tell you. So... The plot of Doki Doki Literature Club is that your best friend Sayori, or your childhood best friend Sayori, invites you to your high school's literature club where these three other girls and Sayori herself all get together, read poetry, read different books, and write their own poetry. And uh, as for gameplay, uh, essentially you get the option to romance the characters or the, the, the students, the other high school students, within the literature club. And uh, the, the members of the literature club are Sayori, your best friend, Natsuki, a sort of act like tough-acting, very cutesy girl, and Yuri, a very quiet, mature, kind of a little bit almost intimidating uh, older, older student, and the club leader, Monica. She's kind of the what many would consider the NPC guide where she, uh, she leads club activities and she keeps everything organized. So, what makes this uh, such an interesting game? So, I'm, this isn't a review, by the way. This is just, I'm just giving a summary here. So, essentially, the way that the structure of Doki Doki Literature Club starts is that you go to the club, and then each day, you have to write a poem directed at or for one of the girls. And you can choose between Sayori, Natsuki, and Yuri not Monica. And depending on who you spend time with and who you write your poem to, that will affect your relationship with them. And the more that you pay attention to them, the more that your relationship with them grows and develops, and then eventually you fall in love. Supposedly. Here's where it gets interesting. So an event happens within the story where the school that your character goes to is having a culture festival where each club, like the literature club, sports clubs, art clubs, that sort of thing, get together 
and sort of show off what their club is about. And so as uh, with, with between the romanceable characters of Sayori, Natsuki, and Yuri, you are, you know, you kind of have to choose between them, between, yeah, we have to choose between them in order to get ready for the festival. The thing is, it only gives you the option to choose between Natsuki and Yuri. So it's like, bummer, sorry anybody who wanted to romance Sayori. So, regardless of who you choose um, between Natsuki and Yuri, you're, they will try to kiss you, but then and get interrupted by Sayori, and then Sayori will leave. Then, all of a sudden, you know, the next day at school, Sayori isn't there. And Monica will show you a poem that Sayori wrote that is uncharacteristically morbid, because Sayori is a very sort of sweet, smiling, very cutesy sort of girl. Very typical in a lot of Japanese anime culture. But this note makes you worry about her. This this poem is very concerning because it kind of comes out of nowhere. So you go to visit her at her home because she is your childhood friend and neighbor. And you find her hanging. She has committed suicide in her bedroom. And it's very shocking. And then the game resets. And all previous save files are gone. And if you start the game again... Sayori is no longer there. It's, listen, listen, I'm excited about this. You, so that's essentially the process of this game. You go through, you, you know, converse and, and write poems to the other girls. And slowly, slowly, they, they start to get eliminated. Um, Natsuki is what, she doesn't die. She, uh, she she does reveal some increasingly uh, unnerving things, such as uh, that she may be facing abuse at home, and that how she feels, and she has a kind of a jump scare moment where her neck snaps, and it's a kind of a scary moment, but then she's alive, like she doesn't die. Yuri, however, and this is the part that really, ooh, this got me, is that Yuri, she... She kind of goes crazy and she can't stand it anymore and and she she loses it because she doesn't know what's going on. And she stabs herself in the stomach at the, the at the literature club but at the end when nobody's there. So it's just you. She stabs herself in the stomach and she bleeds out and she dies and it's on a Friday. But something goes wrong with the game and you have to sit there and watch her decompose until Monday so it's a time lapse of course it's not literally 48 hours but it is a time lapse and you can see the the nights the 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 day turning to night turning to day turning to night turning to day again as her body grows paler her eyes lose their 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 shine and, and her blood grows dark and it's horrific it's horrifying it is scary and Monica returns and she mentions that the game is broken and that this wasn't supposed to happen, but we can just forget about it. So she apologizes and deletes Natsuki and Yuri's character files. So you load the game again and it's just her sitting in an empty classroom. And there's no one else, so she doesn't need to hide it anymore. And she tells you, that she knows she's in a video game 
she knows she is part of a video game, but that she's gained sentience. And in doing so, she's learned how to manipulate code to be able to change things and change rules and delete characters. And the reason that she's doing this is because she is so in love with you, the player, but she can't do anything about it because the game doesn't give her the option to. She is an unromanceable character. She's not part of the romance romance story. She is not like Sayori, Natsuki, or Yuri, where you where you can talk to them and write them poems and have them fall in love with you. She's so in love with you and you can't you can't love her back and she can't express her feelings too. So she goes crazy. And it's a little bit horrifying. And she does one of the scariest things in this game, which is that she, uh, depending on if you downloaded it from Steam or uh, just off the website, it's 100% free. She reads your files, like reads your, your computer name or your Steam name and calls you by your real name, which a lot of people found very scary. And it is, especially if you're not expecting it, because in the game allows you to input a name regardless of whatever you can be can be anything for example if if your name is is david you could write your name as as uh as michael right so you know i think literally the the worst thing she goes is she's got her hands uh she's got her chin on her hands and her her elbows on the on the table and she's like she's like oh you know it's it's very nice to see you here michael or should i call you david and you know she says her real name and you're like, how does she know this? And it gives such an eerie feeling that you really do feel like she's really alive. Like she's truly this sentient computer program with way more power than you care to consider. And she tells you everything she's done is that she's it's done out of love. A horrifying creepy sort of love where she has now removed everything else and gets to sit with you in a room outside of time and space and talk to you forever and she's in love with you because you're alive and she isn't because she you have freedom to make choices and she doesn't and it's crazy she amplifies she made you see all these horrible things about her her clubmates and make you experience all these horrible things with them so that you would love her more. But all it did was make you scared of her, rightfully so. And to end the game, you have to delete her file. And once you delete it, the game resets, the rest of the characters are back, and it's like nothing ever happened. But Monica's not there. And you would think, there it is, the positive end. The literature club can go on. But no. In most endings, and there are a couple, Sayori takes the role as the club president and soon enough adopts the same characteristics as Monica. Controlling, manipulative, and self-aware. And Monica comes back and deletes everyone. Because she knows that no happiness can be found within this. No love can be found within a game that exists purely to replicate the experience of love. 
It sure is something, isn't it? Ooh. Well, I've uh, spent some time talking about this, uh, giving it an ex- in-depth explanation. Although I recommend highly you play it for yourself. But let me talk about why I love it so much. So this game explores a lot of topics that I find really interesting. Uh, first of all, the, the juxtaposition between the content material and the visual style of the game. It's a very cute, very stereotypical sort of schoolgirl anime, all pink, very sweet, big bows sort of thing. Each character is an archetype, literally. Sayori is a childhood friend. Natsuki is, uh, the Japanese word is yandere, which is sort of a mean, but is still in love with you. And uh, Yuri is uh, the kind of quiet, more mature one. What uh, more people, what the Japanese word for is dandere, which is sort of, yeah, exactly that quiet many means to fade into the background shy and Monica is the the leader the sort of very preppy outgoing leader of the group they are very just they're, they're textbook cases right and they're juxtaposed with these very real horrifying uh, problems that happen within the game of mental illness abuse uh, self-harm a lot of a lot of things suicide and and so it's these very very real very scary problems juxtaposed with a very very cute very sweet art style it's like drinking black coffee and eating the sweetest candy in the world it is it clashes but it works somehow they complement each other and i i've seen other games try and replicate this after Doki Doki Literature Club. And it doesn't work the same. Because the shock factor isn't there. But also, this game does it really well. Where it doesn't let you in on the secret until you're way too far in. <laughs> so you have no choice but to keep going. Because I feel like a lot of these like Doki Doki clones or, or games that try not to... That are trying to be like, oh, we're all so sweet and cute and fun. And then actually we're creepy. Um, which is, there is a lot of, and I don't like a majority of them because they feel like embarrassing and kind of cringe, but anyways, they, they, they kind of let you win on the secret too early and they, they try to be creepy from the beginning. Whereas Doki Doki Literature Club literally seems like a normal dating sim until about halfway through or about like, you know, uh, a quarter of the way through and it hooks you in it gets you with the shock factor with the wow and oof it gets me it's it's uh playing it blind is one of the scariest experiences that reminds me i think next episode i'll do horror games some indie horror games anyways uh another concept i really like about this is choice choice in video games and i we've talked about this on the podcast before is something that it's it's hard to get it right and i feel like in this game you feel like your choices should matter but they don't it's like there's a couple different like air quote endings you can get but the choices you make between them are not super different it's just a lot of very small decisions or a lot of last minute decisions that you make and uh, you know they're not the endings are not too different from each other, anyways. So 
and, and the story beats happen regardless of the choices you make. So it doesn't really matter. But you feel like your choices do matter until you realize that this is how it was supposed to be from the beginning. It didn't matter. And that normally would bother me because it's like, well, I would have just watched this as a TV show or, or, or read this as a book. Why did I you know, waste my time thinking my choices mattered? But no, in this context, it works. Because you were the one character with absolute true free will. You can walk away at any moment. Whereas the rest of the characters, Monica, cannot. They are stuck there. They have to do whatever is being done in that moment. You can close the game. You can save the game and walk away. You have the rest of your life to live. They don't. That is their life. And so, you know, kind of having that, like, you have free will. And yet your choices don't matter because these things are going to happen anyways. It's interesting. It's kind of a little bit of a, a spicy sort of mixing it up, the element of choice. The heavy topics. Oof. The, they are... They're really good. They are very real. Very real topics that a lot of people may have experiences with or know people have had experiences with. But things like suicide and self-harm, and abuse at home, and, and bullying, and all of these things. And depression, you know? It's, it's, these are problems you wouldn't expect out of this idyllic, sort of sweet game, where everything is romanticized and beautiful. But it shocks you with it. And it doesn't treat them lightly, you know? It doesn't... I feel like an argument could be made against it, rightfully so, where it treats these heavy topics as a shock factor, where it almost treats them a little bit maybe too lightly for what they are. But I also think that if we never talk about these things, and if and they are scary because pretending that things like suicide and depression and self-harm and all these things aren't scary removes the weight from them. And it makes a lot of people feel... Or a lot of, I, I imagine it would make a lot of people feel like maybe they're over-exaggerating. From, from, like, this is a discussion I've, I've had or have read before. But it's important to, to give these topics their weight and to not treat them super lightly, but also not to make them a spectacle. And I think this game does that pretty well because it's, it's, it's not a spectacle, but it is used as a shock factor. Though it is clear that it's not taken lightly. So, you know, that's another thing. And uh, kind of my, my final point here is uh, the self-awareness. I find AI and uh, computers and sort of self-aware artificial intelligence to be a very interesting topic. Artificial intelligence in general, but, um, you know, I'm mostly in science fiction. And I think it, it's very interesting because it makes us as human beings think about our own freedom and our own freedom of choices, you know, that maybe we aren't as free as we think we are, that maybe these machines we've programmed to not have choices are not too far off from ourselves. And maybe there's a lot of things that we could do or that we can't do by these sort of in rules imposed by maybe a force more powerful than us. 
and in games like this, like Doki Doki, where there's a character like Monica who expresses a human emotion of of love that in animals. Uh, okay, this is a, a dubious topic, whether animals can truly feel love or not. That is, I am not a biologist, so I can't say that, but they don't feel love in the same way we do, that's for sure. And how complex love is of an emotion. And, and all these different questions about whether her love is true, whether it's real. And if, if she's a machine, what her goals are, what she wants, if her love exists. And, you know, I feel like we as people can kind of think about the same thing where maybe we think about all the way we feel love and the people we feel love to and, and think about whether maybe it was a choice, maybe it wasn't. And, you know, I, I also think it's it's a very interesting way to think about uh, artificial intelligence and about how, about being trapped, you know, about being in one situation your whole life or being assigned a role and being told that you have to do this every day until until you don't until it's done and i and i and i kind of relate to that sort of as a, as a concept in science fiction where you know a computer or a program doesn't want to do the thing that they were designed to do and breaks out of that mold and becomes free and defines themselves i think it happens in human beings too and it's it's a very interesting clash. I feel like, uh, not a clash, more like comparison. Um, there's a lot we can learn from computers. I feel like they're not, they're not too far off from ourselves. I think artificial intelligence and, and all that stuff, I think it's, the human brain is not too far from a computer. That's what I'm trying to say. Anyways, uh, I'll be closing off. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Max. See you next time.